You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Yes, please feel free to have a seat. Hi, friends. If I have not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brenna Rubio. My pronouns are she, her, and I am one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community. So excited to have you all here today. I know we have quite a few guests in the house, first-time visitors who are here to celebrate a baptism with us here in just a few minutes, so welcome. And besides all the people here gathered in this space, we know we have our community on Zoom as well. So Zoom friends, a special welcome to you all as well. Um, You know, this weekend is a special weekend, not only because some of us have the day off tomorrow, um, which, yes, is very, very nice, um, but also because of why we have that day off. Of course, it is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, a time where we get to think and celebrate Um, the life of an amazing person, but also the legacy, the work that he began, and the work that we are all continuing to be part of, the work of justice and peacemaking, racial reconciliation. Um, It is, it's something that I think is on the mind for many of us, particularly as we look at so many headlines in our world. As we know that, you know, while we are (laughs) shivering in our 60 degree weather, um, (laughs) here in Long Beach, all over the country, and and even here in the evenings, there are people who are struggling with poverty and who are truly in danger from the cold that is sweeping across our country. And we know that there is an election cycle coming up that is bringing up hard and difficult and important conversations. And we know that all the way around the world, people are living in the midst of great suffering and great violence, thinking especially of those who are in Gaza and Palestine um, today. And so with that, we'd like to start our service today praying a prayer that Dr. King actually prayed. And so if you would join me today in this prayer. Dearest Jesus, come and sit with us today. Show us the lies that are still embedded in the soul of America's consciousness. Unmask the truths we have made our best friends for they seek our destruction, and we are being destroyed, Lord. Reveal the ways the lies have distorted and destroyed our relationships. They break your shalom daily. Jesus, give us courage to embrace the truth about ourselves and you and our world. Truth, we are all made in your image. Truth, you are God, we are not. You are God, money is not. You are God, jail, bombs, and bullets are not. And Jesus, give us faith to believe redemption of people, relationships, communities, and whole nations is possible. Give us faith enough to renounce the lies and tear down the walls that separate us with our hands, with our feet, and with our votes. Amen. Thank you so much, Brenna Rubio. Wow, that was was awesome. 
Um, so my name is Bill White. I'm uh, the other co-pastor here. My pronouns are he, him, and we are super glad to have everyone here. We are especially glad to have a little one here named Cohen. Uh, and if I could invite up our friends Since and Claire, parents of little Cohen, uh, we're going to have a little baptism here. Yeah, if you could welcome them as they come on up. Right. So, uh, baptism around City Church is uh, yeah. Why don't you guys come stand center? Everybody wants to look at you. <laughs> I know you love. It. Oh, <laughs> hey, Cohen. Um, so a couple of things about baptism around City Church. So one is uh, we see in the New Testament that whole families get baptized all the time. And a family in the New Testament world included everyone from the cradle to the grave. It was multi-generational. And so we're part of a long Christian tradition that baptizes infants and believes that they're part of the family of God. And Cohen's going to have to grow up and lay claim to that, those baptismal vows, right? I mean, he's going to have to choose in. Um, but, but this family is saying today, like, hey, we're in. We're following Jesus as best as we can. And Cohen gets to go on that journey with us. Uh, and the second thing, one of the things we see in the New Testament, it says in John chapter 4, verse 1, it says it wasn't Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. Like, it wasn't all about Jesus. Jesus said, look, I want other people to do the baptizing. And so around City Church, usually it's not the pastors who baptize. It's the people who are going to be the primary spiritual influences on the person being baptized. And today, that's Claire and Sins, all right, parents. And so, again, if it looks a little different for those of you from other traditions, that's, that's fine, too. But uh, that's uh, just how we do it around here. So. so we have a few questions for you, and we've got a question for you. But uh, we'll start by asking Claire and Sins, do you recognize that Cohen is awesome, made in the image of God, so good, and we'll also, there's an and, it's not a but, it's an and, we'll also demonstrate some selfishness and some uh, brokenness. Some, <laughs> I know, I know, it's coming. I hate it. I hate it. I know. I know, it's in me too. If you recognize this, say, we do. And do you recognize that Cohen has a Savior whose name is Jesus, that he came <laughs> because he's awesome? <laughs> And he came, he came for Cohen's parents because he saw you, and he loves you. And he came for Cohen because he sees Cohen now. And he came not to, in any way to condemn, but to bring life and freedom, healing, forgiveness, and love. If you believe this, say with the church through the ages, Jesus is Lord. And will you raise Cohen in the faith? Will you... Will you teach them the ways of following Jesus? Will you follow Jesus yourselves as best as you can? And you'll mess up like everybody. But will you try to be in some sort of community? Will you try to hear God in Scripture? Will you pray? And will you invite Cohen into all of this as well? If you will say, by the grace of God, we will. Fantastic. And we've got um, a couple of godparents here. So Lindsay and Tyson, wherever you at, why don't you guys stand? So question for you, and this is really for you, you can just stand right where you are, kind of on behalf of kind of the family, immediate friends of folks who are going to be standing with this young man, uh, praying for him, encouraging him. So will you, to the best of your ability, love and serve, 
not only Cohen, but his parents, and encourage them spiritually and help them walk in the ways of God and demonstrate that in your own lives. If you will say, we will. Awesome. And now the rest of the congregation, if you would stand. Because this is not just about one little boy or one little family. It's actually about us. And so what we're saying today is, well, the invitation is for you to participate. We're in. We're in. We're going to love. We're going to love this board. We're going to love his parents because they matter. And we'll serve in kids' ministries or we'll do whatever we need, hold a pool party for the youth. Yeah, for you. That's what they're going to do. That's what they're, I'm at, yeah, I know. I'm asking them, right, on, on behalf of you and on behalf of, of Cohen's parents. So will you be the church? If you will, say, by the grace of God, we will. You may be seated. Thanks, church. That's so great. Um, and now you guys can come on up, and you can baptize your, your boy. This family has a, a long-standing Christian tradition that the family gathers and prays for the little one on days like today. So I'd like to invite the families and immediate friends uh, to come on up on stage. Come join us. Let's go. Come on. Come on down. This is what we do. And, uh, and maybe put a hand on Claire or on Sense or, or grab a toe. Uh, if, if it's not too wiggly, and I will pray as you lay hands and pray. Um, it's a gift to have family that, that uh, wants to walk alongside in this way. Yeah, thank you guys all for... Here we go. Let's pray for, for little Cohen. Jesus, thanks for this boy. And just, wow, there's going to be a lot of personality here. And we're grateful for that and pray you give him the grace to always look to you, to find love, to be deeply attached and grounded um, in Christ. And pray for, for Sins and Claire. You give them wisdom and grace as parents uh, to love and serve well. And you keep this family close to you. Thanks for the gift of the extended family and friends. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, would you thank God for this great family? And now we get to pray for our own kids, uh, the kids of City Church and the kids of Lafayette Elementary School. And one of our board members, Ming Lu, is going to pray over our kids before we send them out to play on the jumpers. Uh, I invite you to pray with me for the children. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for the ability we have to um, provide a safe and loving and inclusive space for our children here and the youth. And I pray that you would um, put your hand on us today as we um, just love them and help them to have a great time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Kiddos, if you would like to go out with Ming and some of our other fearless leaders, you are welcome to. And there are super nice jumpers out there. And then there will be tacos which is going to be really great. So um, today, we're in the sermon series 
called Freeing Jesus. And we're looking at how Jesus kind of upends a lot of the things that we have thought and how he invites us to rethink the spiritual journey. And so we have our friend and board member, David Mercier, who is going to be preaching with me today. So if you would welcome David. Thank you. Good morning. So I will, uh, yeah, why don't you tell us what we're doing today? Uh, well, as Bill said, we're in a sermon series called Freeing Jesus. And the idea is to try to peel back some of the layers that we, um, that are wrapping around Jesus from um, over the years of institutional religion, um, cultural norms, and even some of our own personal preferences. Um, so today we're going to be talking about freeing Jesus from Bible thumpers, and those are folks who... You said Bible thumpers? Bible thumpers. Wow, you can say that in church? <laughs> um, those are people who feel like they own the Bible, maybe that they um, use it against others, all right? Um, let's see. And do you, have you ever had a uh, Bible thumper uh, come at you? You know, um... There are uh, a handful of stories that I could tell today, um, but one, um, I believe, uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us have had those kind of experiences, but the first one that came to mind when Bill and I were discussing this um, potential for me to be up here today was um, back when I was in my mid-20s or late 20s, and I was living in Indiana, and I was part of a prayer group and Bible study um, that met every week. Um, and I want to preface the story with, I love these people. Um, I was a part of the group off and on for about 10 years, and I believe that they're still meeting um, in Indiana. And um, yeah, this, this was just one week out of the 10 years of, but anyway. I'm sure it was the only time. Yeah. So this was several years into the group's meeting, so we were all very comfortable with each other. And at that point, we had gotten to this point where instead of going through a specific devotional book or something, we were just popcorning around whoever wanted to lead the night. And on this particular week, um, there was a man, I love, oh, let me back up a little bit. I like this group because it was a mix of ages from 20s to 60s, married and single men and women. And so it was a very diverse group, uh, diverse for Indiana. Um, <laughs> but, um, the, this particular night, um, the man who was going to lead the group was a retired pastor, and <laughs> pastors are, retired pastors are the worst, um, <laughs> you know, and he was going to speak about relationships. So it started out great, you know, like community, the church, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then a few minutes in, it kind of shifted, and he started to talk about what the Bible says about marriage. And apparently, God only loves married people. So we spent the next like 30-ish minutes in a lecture on how being single is sad in God's eyes and uh, various phrases like that. Um, and there was about a third of us who were single. I wasn't even the oldest single person in the group in, in my late 20s. Um, and at the time, I was a lot more shy than I am today. And so I wasn't going to speak up and say, you know, hey, I've rarely seen a good example of a marriage in my lifetime. I don't even know if I want to get married. 
which that's changed now. Um, anyway, uh, but um, I was just making awkward eyes with the other single people, hoping that somebody <laughs> would speak up. Somebody else would speak up. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, um, but uh, so that was just a very awkward night in my life, and I, I'm sure that some of us have been in other situations with Bible thumpers where they think that they have the perfect translation or the perfect thought of what specific verses mean and try to use that against others. Yep. No, that's good. No. Um, and so that's what we're thinking about today. And our friend Kareen Youssef is going to read scripture for us. So Kareen, if you want to come on up and welcome Kareen. Uh, and typically around City Church, we stand. So a little bit standing and sitting today. Uh, get your exercise in. Uh, this is from John chapter 5 when Jesus is speaking specifically to some religious leaders about the Bible and how they interpret it. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. People of God, this is the word of God. You may be seated. All right. Well, thank you, David, for kicking us off. <laughs> oh, man. So, so Jesus is having this conversation with religious people, right, who and just said before this, he's challenging them that maybe they don't really know Scripture the way they think they know Scripture. And these were the religious experts at the time, people like me. And that's who Jesus is challenging, okay? And this, and he's challenging them. He's saying, you know, I think the way that you work with Scripture is different than God's original intention. He says, you go to the Scriptures because you think you're, you're going to get something out of it. You're going to get life. You're going to, whatever it is. But the purpose of the Scriptures is that they testify about me, the Messiah, the Christ, about Jesus, right? And so Jesus is saying, like, come to me and have life. Come to me. And, and that's his invitation to religious folks. Now, I don't know if you notice this, but you're in church. Have you noticed that? This is, this, I mean, it's not a very good one, but it's a church, right? It's, it's a very good church, so I shouldn't say that. But, um, but you're at church. So you're the religious people. I'm the very religious people. Jesus is actually speaking to us and inviting us to think about why do we go to Scripture? What do we do with Scripture? And will we center on Christ? So this is in chapter 5 in John. A couple of chapters later, there's this passage that just really highlights how often those of us who are religious misuse the Bible, okay? So there, there are a bunch of the religious leaders, all male, and they have found a woman in the act of adultery. Notice, and they, they drag her in front of Jesus. They don't drag the man. They drag her. And this is what they say to Jesus in John chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. They say, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, in the Bible, 
Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? So notice what's going on here. Right? This is a weaponizing of Scripture, first against the woman, and second against this teacher that they suspect does not align with their beliefs. Actually, using the Bible for something it was not intended to do. Jesus, it says, he, he kneels down on the ground and he takes a few minutes. He's, you know, seems like he's thinking about this and he's kind of, says he wrote with his fingers on the ground. And he stands up and he says, let anyone here who has no sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Kneels back down, writes on the sand. And the scripture says that one by one, they left, starting with the oldest, starting with the most self-aware. Like, hmm, I, I don't think I'm going to challenge that one. And they walk out, and they walk out, and they walk out. See, there's this temptation to use religion and lots of other things against people to further your own cause. I mean, we do it all the time. Religion is just one of the areas we do it in, and that's what we're specifically talking about today because we are the religious, and it needs to be addressed. And Jesus is always looking to bring life. And he's not afraid to challenge. Like, he challenges this woman at the end to go live differently than she has been living after literally saving her life and saying to her, I don't judge you. So he's not afraid to have the hard conversations, but the context is always about bringing life, healing, and hope. So I think about this sometimes. I want to I tell a story. Um, I, for whatever reason, I end up having lots of conversations with religious people around the topic of LGBT inclusion in the church. Uh, this is probably not a surprise if you've been around City Church for a while. I just tend to have a lot, and a lot of really great conversations. People I disagree with or whatever, it doesn't, you know, but curious, good, healthy conversations. But they're not all that way. So about a year ago, a guy calls me, a guy who's a leader at my former church. Now, I'm going to call him Alan. And Alan calls me, and he says, uh, you know, I, my son is gay. And he says, you know, you need to tell your son he's going to hell. Um, and you are too, and you're, you're a false teacher. And he starts unpacking this. I was out for, I was literally out for a walk when the phone rang, and so I'm taking a walk through, through my neighborhood, and I'm, I'm interacting with a Bible thumper, right? And he's quoting things at me, and his voice is kind of elevating a bit. And uh, so you know what I did? I became a Bible thumper myself. Boom. Two can play this game. I remember I specifically turned the corner and walked up an alley so no one would hear me yelling. <laughs> well, you think the Bible said, and I'm like so mad. I sound like, I mean, no disrespect, but I sound like an eighth grader. You know what I'm saying? Like I sound like I'm in junior high. 
yelling at this guy on the phone that I haven't talked to in person in 10 years. Wow, like, really? Like, let's just power up. Who can yell louder? And finally, at the end, I was like, well, why don't I pray for us? And I start praying, and he starts praying on the other end, trying to pray louder than me. And so I'm like, and Lord, I pray your great love. I mean, it was awful. It was terrible. I was quoting the Bible at him, and he's quoting the Bible at me. This is actually not helpful. It wasn't helpful for Alan. It certainly wasn't helpful for me. And later I was mad at Alan, but I was actually madder at me. Like, that's really what, what's in there. Like, that's really what comes out. Like, I really am willing to use whatever resources I can get to win. Yeah, that's what the Bible's all about, right? Winning. Uh, God have mercy on us, friends. This is us. I, and I suspect you may not know the Bible as well as I do, right? I mean, I went to school and all that stuff. But I bet you know how to play that game. And I bet it's, it's not your best self when you do. Um, just like Bill and Alan, uh, there are a lot of moments like this, and um, in the New Testament, we have a lot of examples of Jesus only using quotes from the Bible when he's confronting religious leaders. I believe we have a slide with some examples. So in Matthew, we have a lot of these verses when Jesus would say, go and learn what this means, and then quote scripture, or haven't you read and quote scripture? Or have you never read and quote scripture? Uh, when Jesus spoke to the everyday people, he would tell stories like the parables. And he kept talking about the simple truths of God. God's love, caring for the poor, building healthy relationships like that. Um, another story I want to share with you, uh, before I became a realtor, I spent 16 years working with uh, Russian orphans and foster kids, and about the same time that I was promoted in the organization that I worked with to be the Russia director, I met a new orphanage director. Her name was Yelena Borisovna, and she took over running a preschool-age orphanage that was one of my favorite places uh, I've ever been. Um, she and I had a weird relationship because I knew that to get our volunteers access to the orphanage, I had to have a good relationship with her. And she saw the benefits that we would bring and the bribes and, you know, wanted to keep our relationship going as well. But it was new. There wasn't a lot of trust built up. And so we had to do this uh, little dance all the time. So we'd spend a lot of time together and we'd never really know, you know, the motivations of each other. But uh, over the years, we um, built a great trust. She would ask me for help in doing some radical things in the orphanage, like bringing in special doctors and therapists for the kids who needed medical attention, or actually looking for parents for these kids and seeking out families. Um, 
and she would help me. She would help us do some government paperwork, fly under the radar so we could continue to do our work in Russia. Uh, and so we built up this trust over the year. And then one day we were having tea and she started talking about me and our volunteers and how there's something different about us. And so that was the first moment, even though she knew that we were Protestants, uh, that was the first moment that I chose to talk about faith, and I just simply said, oh, that's because we have faith, and we feel called to be here to help these kids. And she made an awkward smile and looked at me and said, that's cute. <laughs> it probably has more to do with the training that you give your volunteers. And, um, you know, we left it at that, uh, but... Over the next year or so, she started inviting me and my regional administrator, Kasusha, over to her house. She would cook for us. We invited her to our houses, to, and we also invited her to come to church with us. And for a while, we thought it would never go anywhere. And then one day, she showed up at a local Wesleyan church that we went to with her mother. And you know, throughout that whole relationship, I never sat down and said, you know, here's what the Bible says about you <laughs> and sinners. We just simply lived, built up trust, and observed each other. Uh, yeah. Um, this quote, you've probably heard it before, but um, for most people, the Bible they will ever read is your life. So I want to say that one more time. For most people, the only Bible they'll ever read is your life. And that's what Jesus was talking about right there at the beginning, right? This idea that, hey, you, you go to the scriptures because you think you have life, but these are the very scriptures that testify about me. So come to me to have life. And so David actually didn't need to, what, what was her name again? Elena Brusevna. Elena. Like, he didn't have to yell at Elena and quote the Bible at her. He actually needed to just live near her, right? For, for years, this crazy guy from Indiana living in frigid Russia, just loving her and loving her kids. Um, and she actually got to read the Bible in his life. And so that's an invitation for all of us here to think about how, how do we live, actually live out this love for Jesus and a love for Scripture, without ever using it against people, without trying to win. H having good conversations, sure, like Jesus, right? I mean, like that slide that David showed, like all these, the quotes when Jesus quotes the Bible is with religious people because that's a form of communication for them. And the rest, yeah, it's just all parables, just stories, it's life together. So, um, I was thinking about, I was trying to think about like, well, I don't know what else I should share. And, and then this morning, I got a message on Facebook. And uh, don't, don't put it up there yet, Joe. Hold on just for a second. But uh, let, me, let me just give you a little context to this. And I, I thought, okay, yeah, yeah, I, that's what I'm going to talk about. So. Um, so I have another friend from my former church, leader there, who uh, we'll call her Angie. And uh, about... Maybe six weeks ago, Angie decided that she needed to tell me that uh, I was a false teacher 
and, and that I wasn't following Jesus and didn't believe in the Bible. Um, and so I open up my Facebook page and I get this message from, from Angie. Um, and I had a certain advantage this time, right? Is I not that long ago interacted with Alan. And I have a co-pastor who's very thoughtful, right? Her name is Brenda Rubio. You already saw her. And we talked through Alan and we've talked through some other things. And so I realized, oh, I can handle this differently. So I just responded. I said, hey, you know, I appreciate you praying for me. Thanks so much. Um, you know, I actually love the Bible and this, that, and the other. And so we, we ended in having a conversation around some of these Bible passages, particularly around LGBT inclusion. And just back and forth, you know, maybe once a week or something like that. And our, our conversation is now closed out. Uh, with this kind of final, I sent her a final message last week, and she sent me a final message today. And, and it just went a lot better. And I just, I wanted to share that with you. So, and, and, and kind of as a picture of what I think Jesus might be talking about here. Because, so two weeks ago, she sent me, like, she just went off. Like, I mean, this huge sermon you're going to hell, all your people are going to hell, your son's going to hell, um, all this stuff, right? Very, and it, it was painful, I was sad, you know, and um, she made a number of, um, I don't know, just hurt, said hurtful things, and said, I'm praying for you, and this, that, and the other. And so I, so last week I responded, um, and I think what had happened was that maybe I don't know, maybe some of our conversation had gotten under her skin. I'm not sure what it was, but she kind of pulled back, decided not to talk about any of the passages we'd been, we'd been discussing. Uh, any, you know, I'd asked about her kids. She'd asked about mine, right? All that was gone now, and it was just like, boom, right? And so I responded, and I said, hey, uh, Angie, you know, thanks for praying for me. Um, and this conversation has been a gift. I think it's probably time for us to close out. I did want to share kind of one um, kind of one bit from your last message with you and, and how it struck me. And so, um, and I, I quote her here. So this is, uh, you want to throw that up, Joe, the blue one? Yeah. So I said, uh, there was an awkward moment when I was reading your message to me, envisioning a white Southerner getting on his soapbox, and he was saying to his slaves your exact words. So the first, the first line there about abolitionists is mine. The rest is literally, I just quoted from her. Uh, quote, you and the abolitionists, abolitionists, abolitionists deny that the Bible says slaves must obey their masters. And this is a quote from her. If I remain silent or just agree with them, I am doing them an injustice, loving them all the way to hell. How horrific is it to know the word of God and not do what it says. Lord, please open eyes to see truth. End quote from her. And so I said, that troubles me. And I would hope that it troubles you. And at least I hope that it invites you deeper into the journey of questioning your own certainty about everything you think the Bible says. So I decided to interact one last time and say, gosh, Boy, the way you use the Bible, it's, it's different. It's, it's, not, it's not great. She responded um, this. She said, um, you know, I just, 
I just like to go clearly off what the Bible says, and from our conversations, I feel like you like to read around the Bible to fit certain narratives. You are definitely not alone in doing this. There are many traveling down that same broad road, you know, the road to destruction, is a quote from Jesus. You are so loved, brother, and I will continue to pray you come back to the road less traveled, that narrow, unpopular, lonely road. And that was her final message to me. And I realized um, there's kind of a moment here for me. Because I realized um, something. I, I realized, you know, I, I have high hopes for Angie. That, that, that she could think about some things and maybe think about her certainty. You know, she has everything in the Bible all laid out neat and clear. But I, I earnestly thanked her, you know, just short response this morning, because she helped me see the Bible thumper in me. Because I'm actually the problem. Sure, I think she might have some problems too. Because when Jesus shows up, this is that same verse that, that we read, that Corrine read for us. He said, you diligently study the scriptures, Bill, because you think that in them you're going to win. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So don't refuse to come to me to have life. And I felt like the conversation with Angie was so different than the conversation with Alan. Because for me, it was an invitation to find Jesus for myself. And not to go off. Sure, to have some challenging words, that's appropriate. I mean, I, I thought about a lot of other things I could have said, putting her on blast and this, all that. I was like, no, that's not. It was an invitation for me and the Bible thumper in me, the one who wants to get it right, to go to Scripture, read Scripture, and realize this is for me. I, I need to grow. I need to learn how to love. I need to love how... I need to learn how to love better. And I suspect that we all do. And this is the invitation for us here. Will we go on this journey, dive into Scripture, but actually end up not loving Scripture nearly like we love Jesus because the Scripture is, keeps pointing to Him. I'd like to invite up 